Hello, everybody. Welcome back to True Crime B&B Bonus Day. It's bonus day, and Bailey is in the seat. Yes, I am. In the hot seat. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you about the unsolved murder of Kimberly Sue Morse. Kimberly was the youngest of four siblings total, so she had two older sisters and one older brother. All of her siblings were literally 16, 17, 18, And then her parents had decided they were not going to have any more kids. And then, surprise, there's Kimberly. And so she was kind of jokingly referred to as the oops baby, but they loved her all the same. It was a very jovial family. They liked to poke fun at each other. So her youngest siblings were 16 years older than her? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. So then, of course, they all graduated, got married and stuff, and she's like 13 and an aunt and all this stuff. So she was like the fun, cool aunt. Kind of like Ash and Elena almost. Okay. She was born January 24th, 1967 in York, Maine. If there was any way I could describe Kim as a child to you, it would be quite a hellion. Her family was, everybody in it at least it seems, were very introverted, homebodied. It's a small town in Maine. They don't get out a lot. But Kim was the complete opposite. She liked to pull pranks on people. She was constantly making friends. She wanted to talk to even the mailman as he came, you know. Like I said, as a teen, she started becoming the fun aunt. She was always the one that had to come over and babysit or drag them around like a little gaggle of geese behind her in the mall. Attached to a little ribbon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and she officially graduated high school in 1985. Her senior quote was, You've got to make the most of every day because it may be all gone before you know it. Well, that's true it's- for everyone. As an adult, she worked many odd jobs. She never decided to go to college. It wasn't really her thing. But she decided to do waitressing and house painting. She was a hotel maid for a brief stint, just jumping from place to place. And she didn't really care about a career that was more pay for my lifestyle. And as long as I got that, I'm happy. Yeah. Then she began dabbling in bodybuilding and fitness and nutrition, so she was hot, let's just put it that way. (laughs) She had it going on, and she also had really bright blue eyes, blonde hair, and a constant tan, which in the 80s was it. (laughs) Yeah, she sounds like she would have teen show. show. Exactly, yes, she does. (laughs) She also found herself gravitating more towards warmer temperature, which is not that common in Maine. Yeah, I was going to say, she she picked the wrong place to be born then. (laughs) So she and her best friend from childhood named Nancy, they started taking regular trips down to Florida. One time when she was in Florida, Kimberly happened upon a random bikini contest happening. And as we know, she's beautiful. She works out constantly. She's a bodybuilder and is very tan. This is her scene. Earn a little extra money. Exactly. So she decided to spontaneously on the spot, jumped up on stage and won it. And she didn't even know it came with a prize. She just did it for the fun. And then they gave her some money and that became her new job for the summer. She'd just look around for any... Who called it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's exactly what she did. But as she's doing this, a friend of hers who lived in Rhode Island now got in contact with her and told her, you know, you've been doing all this bikini stuff and you're clearly not uncomfortable getting undressed in front of people. I work at a club down here in Rhode Island that's really high class and it's very high security. They'll make sure you're taken care of, you're not in any danger. But you can make way more money, way faster, working fewer days, and then spend the rest of your whole summer in Florida if you want. And so she said, you know what, that doesn't sound half bad. So in 1997, right before her 30th birthday, she bought herself a nice pair of boobies. And then she moved out to Rhode Island, Providence specifically, and got a one-bedroom apartment there near the city. So it was about 15 minutes from the club where she was going to work, which was called Foxy Lady. Hmm, that's so original. It's a fun name. (laughs) I'll give them that. 
things were going really well. She only had to work two or three nights a week. And then the rest of the time, she either got to go back to York, which was about a two and a half hour drive back to Maine. While working at Foxy Lady, Kim met another dancer by the name of Becky, who is the same age as her. And they were actually the two oldest girls at the club, which is hilarious to me, 30. (laughs) Yeah. But I guess it is one of those careers where you have kind of a time limit. Pretty much being a woman, you have a time limit. That's true, fair enough. She met Becky, and they struck up a really close friendship as the two older women of the club. And (laughs) Becky actually told Kim about these classes that she had started taking at a local beauty school to be an esthetician. Okay. And so Kim goes, well, I like doing that stuff for fun. I like to do my hair. I like to do my makeup. Let's, how do I sign up? And that gives her something at least once her time dancing is over to lean back on right. in the future. Okay. So she went and signed up with Becky and started attending beauty school. In 1999, so she's lived in Providence for a couple years now, Kim's father, Eddie, passed away from COPD back in Maine, and that kind of gave her a jump start, made her realize life is very fleeting, and so she got in contact with her older sisters and said, you know what, we haven't seen each other in a while, let's plan a road trip. They all live in different states now. So her sister from Maine came down to Providence, picked her up, and she also got to see her job for the first time, and this is important because her sister Sandy is the reason we know most of the things that lead up to this. Okay. Kim gave her sister Sandy a tour of the entire club. She showed her all the security measures, how when she left, she had to check out. And then they had multiple bouncers walk her back to her car so nobody was alone with her at any point. And her sister was like, I felt so much better because clearly she's taking care of herself. And that made me feel better about the whole situation. Okay. So they went back to Ohio. They all had sister time. It was great. However, Sandy did notice that boyfriend she had recently dumped named Anthony Penny was constantly calling her and Kim kept sending him to voicemail, but then she did pick up a couple times and they were screaming at each other and it was just not a good situation. No. When they finally got back to York, Kim decided to stay with her mother and the rest of the family through Christmas because this was the road trip was in fall and then they got back around Christmas time. And then finally in January of 2000, she went back to Providence. January 18th, 2000, which was a Tuesday, Kim called her older sister Sandy to let her know that she was about to head into work for the night, but that she was planning on that Friday to come back to York and celebrate their birthdays. They're both end of January birthdays. Okay. Early in the morning, about 1.45 on Wednesday, she checked out as usual at the club. She had a couple security guys walk her out to her car. They watched her take off and she headed home. The apartment was about 15 minutes from the club. Right. So that puts her getting home around 2 a.m. Assuming she went straight there. Assuming she went straight there, she didn't stop anywhere, yeah. Later that morning, around 8 o'clock, 9-ish, she was supposed to be attending class with her friend Becky at the beauty school. She never showed up to this, and Becky not only has been her co-worker, but also her friend and schoolmate now. And she knows this is not normal. She knows you are on it. Like, you stick to your schedule. You're a very organized person. This is not like you. So she starts calling her and blowing up her phone over and over and over. Never got back to her. At 5 o'clock Wednesday evening, the fire alarm in Kim's unit began sounding, and her neighbors called 911. That can't be a coincidence. Mm-mm. The source of the smoke was determined to be coming from her bathroom in the basement unit. So, of course, they got the firemen in there. They put out the fire. It hadn't spread from her bathroom. So the scene was relatively preserved. However, with all the smoke, the firemen had been on the floor dragging themselves 
into the bathroom so that they could put out the flames and they kind of messed it up a little bit which is a bummer they discovered that kim was in the bathtub she was completely naked and covered in towels which had been doused in gasoline and then set on fire she had also been brutally stabbed all over her body and her throat had been slit as soon as they realized this was in fact a murder scene the police were called out And they found a huge pool of blood in the kitchen, which, like I said before, the firefighters had accidentally kind of walked through, dragged their bodies through to get to the bathroom. Well, I mean, that's why there was a fire in the first place, because the person who did this was trying to screw up the crime scene, so they were successful at that. They also noticed her winter gloves from, because it's January again. Right. Her winter gloves were set on the counter right next to her key set. So it seems like she had literally just walked in and took her gloves off, threw her keys on the counter, and was getting ready to get ready for bed or whatever. Yeah. That was also determined because they found her winter coat, which had marks that matched up with the puncture wounds on her body. Oh, so she was stabbed before she took her coat off. So she had literally not seen it coming at all, it seems, because she had taken off her gloves and not even unzipped her coat. Wow. That's frenzied. Mm Mm-hmm. There was no sign of forced entry, which brings up the question, she probably knows the attacker then. Either she let them in or they already had a key or... So you think they were in there before she got in the in the apartment? That's what they're kind of leaning towards. Either that or maybe she just didn't tell her family or any of her friends that she had a friend in town was staying there for the night. I don't know. We have no idea. That's the thing. Well, I mean, there are ways to get into an apartment aside from a locked front door. But she has the basement unit. I don't think they could really fit through the window. Most residential codes require you to have a window that you can fit through to call it a bedroom. I mean, you can have a basement that doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. But if you're renting it out as a basement bedroom, Mm -hmm. most likely there would have been a window that would fit through. Yeah. But again, nothing was forced. And she usually was very on her security. So I would assume everything was locked when she left. Otherwise, maybe she left it unlocked by accident. Could have happened too. So when they looked at the rest of her apartment, they didn't find any other place that looked like someone had broken in? Mm-mm. Nothing was jiffied, nothing. There is one theory, too, that I guess there's an old man that lived in this apartment complex who had creeped her the hell out, had tried to talk to her out in the parking lot a couple of times, and her sister was like, please look into this guy, just in case, because he used to work as the landlord at that apartment complex. Oh, yeah, so he would have so, keys. But if she had changed her locks... But Sandy doesn't know if she had gotten around to do it yet. She said it looked the same. She doesn't know if she changed the locks or not. She knew she was going to. She had plans to, but... Well, normally if you live in an apartment complex and you say you're going to change the lock, it's normally the apartment complex that's actually changing the lock. True, yeah. Because they would still want to have access to the apartment in case of emergency. Mm -hmm. One more thing about the scene. Many of her valuables, such as her computer, her safe, a lot of her everything that was of any value was missing. So we don't know if that was somebody trying to stage it to look like a robbery gone wrong. Because there's no way somebody that's just happened to be robbing, she walked in, slit her throat, stabbed her like 30 times, and then set her body on fire. She stripped her and set her body on yeah, fire. Yeah, that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> like, nobody's because buying if that. you got stabbed through your coat, somebody had to go out of their way to mm-hmm. undress you, mm-hmm. put you in the tub, and then where'd they get gasoline? And that's another thing. If she really did get taken off guard immediately after she got home, and she got home at 2 a.m., the fire wasn't started till 5 p.m. Yeah. Where were they this entire time? Yeah. We don't know if the intruder was in there the whole time with her or if it was premeditated or if it was 
they panicked, this happened, stabbed her a bunch of times, and then they left, got gasoline, came back? It could be. We don't know. It could be. Some good news, though, they were able to get fingerprints from the scene of an unknown person, as well as a blood sample. So it seems like they must have cut themselves in the process, because it was a very frenzied attack, that yeah. seems likely. Yeah. Um, they didn't find the murder weapon, but if they went in and out of the apartment a couple times, it's not shocking. They took it with them, you know? Well, unless she was completely incapacitated by the first stabs mm-hmm. when she walked in the door. Mm-hmm. She was a strong woman. She was yeah. a healthy, fit, strong woman. She was not going to leave him completely unscathed. Well, that's one of the... Re- a lot of people were like, oh, maybe it was a girl from the club that was jealous of her or something. But that doesn't make sense. She was, a, like you said, very strong and buff person. But then that made me think that douchebag she'd been trying to get rid of that she'd just dumped, he was also a bodybuilder. So if anybody could overpower her, it's another bodybuilder who's a male. Yeah. Just saying. Also, her neighbors never heard anything. So that kind of tells well, me if she slit her throat. If that was the first cut, in. yeah, that's sorry. I don't mean to be to punch. Him. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. So it's, I mean, it makes sense. It does because that would prevent her from yelling and screaming. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, it was not a clue as to who could have logistically done this. Like, yeah, we have theories of who would want to do this, but logistic-wise, they couldn't figure out anybody. And as far as they have DNA of this person, they have their fingerprints. I would assume they've checked it past the ex-boyfriend and ruled him out. That doesn't necessarily mean he didn't do it or wasn't also there for it, but... Well, the fingerprints could be anybody. Yeah, that could just be somebody who stayed there for the night. Yeah, you invite anyone into your house. It could be the UPS guy when he Mm -hmm. brings in a package and he touches the door frame. Yeah, unless they found it literally on a murder weapon, that doesn't mean anything to me, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it means something if they have no reason for them to be there. Yeah. But the blood... There has to be a reason for blood. Blood doesn't just fall out of Yeah, I don't think she's hosting Fight Club in her kitchen every week, you know? (laughs) There is a $20,000 reward for information, but it's never been collected. In 2019, Lieutenant Jones, who's been on her case this entire time, announced the information that they do have the DNA on file and that they have uploaded it to CODIS but have not gotten a match yet. So just a call out to anybody in... Anybody from the New England area, if you have family there, please go ahead, submit your stuff to 23andMe and just get these assholes out there because somebody. Yeah. And he gave a statement at that time, that lieutenant. He said, it's only a matter of time before we come knocking. So when you think you got away with it, think again. Yeah. And it's been how many years now? 22. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's such a shame because... She was making people's lives happier, and I'm not talking about the strip club. I'm talking about the people that she had in her life. Such a kind person. That's really terrible. Sucked. I did want to say, I got most of my information. Like, I had a couple sources, but I found literally everything I needed and more from this source. If you go to the Murder She Told podcast website, they did the best write-up. It was... She always does. Yeah. She's an amazing podcaster. I mean, she went and interviewed people in the family. She interviewed the lieutenant. She did all this stuff. So a lot of that, I owe her credit. So please go check out her website and then her podcast. Yeah, and give her a listen because, I mean, nobody's going to verbatim quote everything that another podcaster said. Mm -hmm. So she may say things in another way that may shine light on something in your mind. Mm -hmm. Maybe it'll give you an idea. Also, if you want to call 1-877-747-6583, that's the Crime Stoppers of Rhode Island. So 
Well, thanks for coming on this terrible journey with us today. Yeah. I saw something on NBC News. Mm-hmm. It was released by NBC News on the 15th, which is yesterday for okay. us. And they're talking about an Ohio woman who was walking through the woods looking for her lost dog. Mm-hmm. As she's going around in the woods looking for this little lost dog, she runs across skeletal remains in the woods. So what do you think she does? Please tell me she backed away and called the police. (laughs) She did not back away and call the police. She did not run back to her house and call the police. Oh, God, you got me worried now. She picked up all the remains and took them home with her and called the police. What the hell? Who does that? Did they say who this woman, like, how old she is? They did not. They did not. They did have an identification for the woman who was deceased and found in the woods. Why would you even want to touch the bones? I have no idea what she could have been thinking. She could not have been right in her mind at that moment. Maybe she was so freaked out. Maybe she was afraid she couldn't find her way back to them again. You know, she wasn't on a path. She was out in the woods looking for a dog. Yeah. So that's the only thing I can think of that would justify that. But nevertheless, leave a trail of clothing or something. But you don't pick them up. You don't touch them. Take a sock, tie it into a branch or something. You know? Yeah. So the woman's remains that had been found there was a woman by the name of Amy Hambrick who had disappeared in 2017. I just found that to be unbelievable that anybody in this day and age doesn't know that if you find a human skeleton in the woods, you don't pick it up and carry it off to your house. For even if you think you're doing the right thing, don't do it. You guys, don't do it. In what part of Ohio did it say what part? I don't know. Like a city? It's in a wooded area of Youngstown. Oh. Nevertheless... Don't do it. If you find a skeleton, just mark your way back if you can't find it, if you're afraid you won't find it again, and go back and call 911. They will be happy to take care of that, and you don't have to take it to your house. I can't lie to you. No, you're not bringing a skeleton to my house. No. My first thought, I must be more fucked up than I thought. Because when you said she was out there looking for her dog, and she stumbled upon a skeleton, she didn't call the police, what do you think she did? My first thought was, oh no, she threw a bone to catch the dog. That is not right. That is so messed it's up. It's fucked up, but that I was is like. so messed up. But you were like, what, what do you think she did? I'm like, she didn't. Thankfully, she did not do that. Because um, that poor woman had been laying there for five years. Yeah. I mean, at least she was found. At least she found. found her. Yeah. At least she was found. At least her family knows where she is now. Strange. But I just thought that was really bizarre. Well, I think we are ready for a nap. Thank you guys for tuning in on bonus day. And as usual, we'll see you Friday for episode 36. Bye. Bye. While she was in Florida. Florida? Florida. When she was in Florida. (laughs) One time when she was in Florida. God, I fucking... I don't know. I think my dad got you. You wait. What? <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Your dad you. is not my dad. <laughs> my dad gave me you. Wait. <laughs> like I don't remember what we were talking about. I don't remember what we were talking about either. Oh, we're a shit show.